Lord, we thank you for this incredible story and ask that you would open our hearts to hear your message to us through it this morning. In your precious name. Amen. Every now and then there's a section of the Gospel that I think would be really well done as a stage play. And this is one of those stories. Um, We see the characters, the setting, the body language. It's all very dynamic and quite wonderful in the way it's portrayed. We're going to highlight some of that as we go through. Meet Simon. Can you get Simon to come up? Simon is a Pharisee. Simon is one of the highly regarded community leaders in his town. Simon has sufficient pulling power to get the one celebrity that's passing through to come and have dinner at his home. So he's a significant person. He's one of the pillars of the community. He is a religious authority for that town, if you like. A morally upright person, learned in the laws and traditions of his faith. He is meticulous about keeping those traditions and keeping the statutes and ordinances of Judaism. He is a powerful person. Everybody knows Simon. He's one of the leaders. Now, Simon is particularly vulnerable to this danger that he falls into. The thing about Simon is that he genuinely knows more than most people around him. He genuinely is well-educated. He's genuinely very, very upright. He's genuinely more meticulous about keeping the law than most other people he would come across. He's one of these guys that's really working very hard at being right with God and being right according to his faith. He's actually quite good at it. And one of the pitfalls for the serious religi- seriously religious is that within the matrix that Simon has inside his head about what it means to be most important, the things to do that are most important, Simon is ticking off all those boxes. He's getting it right. And this is a danger. We see it in Paul as well. Remember the Apostle Paul in one of his letters, he said, I think it's to the Philippians, uh, he said he was a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Before the law he was blameless. He was really getting it right. He was ticking all the boxes. And then he says, but I count all that as rubbish as nothing compared to the surpassing glory of Christ and being saved by Christ. Paul had to get to the place where he saw all those things that were ticking the boxes and getting it right were actually blinding him to something that was far righter, much better, deeper and richer. And Paul did get to that place and he had a conversion experience and was transformed by it and went after Jesus instead of after all the things he'd gone after before. Here we see Simon 
and he's caught. He's caught by all his rightness. He's held by it, if you like. He's not prepared to count his station in life as loss. For him it is still who he is. He clings to that and his actual loss is missing out on a real connection with Jesus. You might think, well, small potatoes, he still gets his standing in the society and the community and he misses out on getting to know Jesus. What is he actually missing out on here? Simon believes that he is pretty well set for his life. He's worked hard, he's built a foundation, he's come up through the ranks of his religion, he's studied, no doubt, he's done all the things that he should do to get to where he is. His community respects him, his religion honours him, he, is well, he has a well-established sense of place. The world, according to Simon, is working pretty well for Simon. It works so well that he doesn't want anybody to mess with any part of it. He wants to be in total control of it. He's set it up just the way he likes it. Who among us is not guilty of doing that? His sense of self is held by it, so his identity is wrapped up in it. We're all very prone to do that as well. And frankly, he has no space for someone like Jesus. If Jesus were to enter Simon's world, Simon would need it to be on Simon's terms. Like this dinner party. You can come into my world, Jesus, as my guest, at my table. I'm the one empowered here. You'll do it on my terms. Jesus is not so good at facilitating people's particular dysfunctions. And so... Simon instinctively knows that. He keeps his distance and uh, Jesus, in his great love for Simon, exposes some of the dysfunction that's going on there. I've used the stylized image, you can see. It's, uh, it's very pretty. And uh, I've done that to protect her identity because uh, she gets a bit of bad press around the place. This woman has no standing at all in the community. She is in direct contrast to Simon, someone who is not invited to the dinner party. She is someone who has made her way in there as an uninvited person, as somebody who really had no place there. She behaves in a thoroughly embarrassing manner. I mean, this kind of behaviour was just unconscionable. It was really very, very rude and embarrassing. Her vial of perfume was the token of her work. She was a prostitute. That's what she did to earn her money. That perfume functioned much like a red light used to in the cities around Australia. Some of you might be aware of that. You knew which door to knock on, apparently, if there was a red light in the window. The vial of perfume is that kind of thing the kind of scent and, and all that sort of thing. The townsfolk would have despised this woman, this woman. The women would have despised her because she was a threat to her 
to their men and leading them astray, the men would have despised her because she probably knew far too many things about far too many men and they wouldn't like her at all. The people in the town knew this woman. They knew Simon and they knew this woman. But unlike Simon, who had a really well-established place in the community, she has no place. Simon was held by his place. She is not held. And in a kind of ironic paradox, the fact that she's not held in place gives her a kind of freedom, a freedom to move, a freedom to crash the party. No self-respecting person would do that. But fortunately for her, she's not a self-respecting person. So she's free to do that. And she comes in and the setting appears to be a a courtyard that has very open uh, spaces where people can see. There's a sense in which people are watching and someone could come in. Jesus was a celebrity in those parts so people would have been around and commenting and she's just come straight in and entered into the dinner party. She had nothing to lose by pushing her luck and entering regardless of her lack of invitation. The courtyard granted her free access. Anyone rude enough could enter and she was that rude. She didn't understand or didn't care about the social mores of the day about keeping respectable distance if you're not invited. What she did was improper behaviour, behaviour that any proper person could not do. But she was free from being a proper person. She was not held by such constraints. She wanted to be close to Jesus, so she got close to Jesus. I mean, interestingly, Simon could have easily mustered the servants to get rid of her, but he wanted her there to see how smart Jesus was. So even Simon's playing the little game here. We'll let her into the party. Let's see how much Jesus really does know. Does he understand prostitution and what's going on here? All this kind of stuff. The woman comes in. Somehow she is profoundly aware of the acceptance that Jesus has for her. Now there may have been an earlier conversation, she may have picked up on some of the scuttlebutt that was going around the town. We don't know, we're not given that information. But she knows. However she knows, she was overwhelmingly grateful for the freedom that Jesus' love and acceptance had brought to her. She felt a bond with Jesus that was so, so intimate so strong. She had no strategy for her actions. I'm pretty sure she didn't think, hmm, this evening I might go and crash that party and I have a bit of a weep and use my perfume in this. It wasn't like that. She saw this man and she responded from the deepest places of her heart in a way that was almost uncontrolled, except it was controlled by love and devotion. She was not trying to love Jesus. She loved Jesus. See the difference there? Simon's engaging at a distance. 
He's controlled, he's proper, he's ordered, it's all on his terms. And this woman, who has nothing, is held by nothing and is just overwhelmingly grateful in her response. She's giving herself. Meet Jesus. Jesus who is central in this story and so, so revealing. Jesus is so respectful. He engages both Simon and the woman on their terms, in a way, according to what they're after. So Simon wanted to stay distant from Jesus. He did none of the normal courteous welcome rituals, the the anointing of oil, the washing of the feet, all those things are quite common in a certain sector of Middle Eastern society, that roads were dusty, the journeys were long, you were normally walking, you got refreshed by your host when you entered their home. Simon didn't do any of that for Jesus. Simon is drawn to Jesus as one who is fascinated by the celebrity pulling power of another. Simon's relationship with Jesus was all about Simon. He wanted to add dinner with the latest celebrity to his tick-off list. This is who I am. I can have dinner with the most important people. Simon was not interested in getting close and personal with Jesus in any way. That would be far too threatening. Jesus honours Simon's desire and allows that distance to remain and then he further serves Simon by exposing that distance and making it clear. He actually says, you didn't anoint me when I arrived, you didn't clean my feet, you didn't do any of the normal things. Think about what kind of host you are, Simon. Think about what's going on here. The woman has been touched by Jesus' profound acceptance, an acceptance like no other. Every other man she's known just about in any kind of intimacy has been about the man. She has been used for their gratification. She's used her body to make a living in the sex industry. Nobody chooses that. She was desperate. She'd been intimate with any number of men, but Jesus was completely different. Jesus did not use her for his satisfaction. And it's interesting, she doesn't kiss Jesus on the cheek or the mouth or anything like that. She kisses his feet. She's so overwhelmed by the love that she has received from him. This is her way of honouring that. And Jesus doesn't pull his feet away. He doesn't go, stop that, what are you doing? Don't you understand we're at a dinner party here? I can imagine any number of us might do that. But Jesus accepts her offering. She, he accepts her intimacy. He accepts her love. He receives her expression of gratitude for what it is. He knows it's appropriate and so he allows it to happen even as the others around him are sniggering at him and wondering how smart he really is. 
last week or the week before maybe, uh, Ray said to me, David, you really should have a cordless microphone that's pinned on because you can move your hands better. The non-verbal stuff is just as important as the verbal stuff. And I thought, oh yeah, that, that's interesting, I might think about that. And then during the week the elders got together and uh, Ian led a session on non-verbal communication in the church and uh, you know how we attend to certain things and what we neglect to attend to and all that kind of stuff and what it says. And non-verbal communication is so, so important because we, it's, it's really a vast proportion of what we communicate. What we say in words is really a small amount. It's amazing how much we communicate apart from our words. And this story is rich with non-verbal communication. From everything that was neglected, so Simon's neglect of the normal welcoming rituals, that was neglected, to the things that happened, this woman who's using her hair to wipe his feet and her tears to wash them and the perfume to anoint. It's, it's full of richness and if you'd been there, the smell, the aroma would have been in the air and it would have been the aroma of a prostitute. And that would have been strange and people would have been wondering about that. And then the most beautiful moment of all for me is the moment where Jesus addresses Simon as he turns to look at the woman. And he says, Simon, you see this woman? And there's this beautiful connection between Jesus and the woman. And I have the picture of Jesus kind of turning his back on Simon just as Simon had turned his back effectively on Jesus. All this non-verbal stuff going on. The heart response to Jesus is a critical matter here. You cannot conjure love. There is a sense in which we cannot command our heart in such matters. We can be disciplined by the use of the will to do certain things we can do the right thing because we know we ought to, but the heart response of love cannot be conjured. And that's why Jesus tells that little story about two people, one who owes a great deal and one who owes only a little and they're both forgiven and who will love more? The one who is forgiven more. Because the heart responds according to the, the thing. The woman knows how much she has been seen and loved and her heart responds with devoted gratitude. Simon, by contrast, believes the righteous facade that he's putting out to everybody. He really believes that he's okay on his own, doing what he does, shutting people out, being better than everybody else. Simon can't make a fulsome response because he's disconnected and unaware, not just of Jesus, but of himself. He's living in a, a matrix of righteousness that he's created. It's not real world stuff. It's the rules and... What's the word I'm looking for? Rules will have to do that he's created, precepts that he's created and that his religion has created and he believes it and he's cut off. You cannot conjure love. If you want to love Jesus more, don't try to be more right. 
try to be more aware of who you are and how much you are loved in your brokenness, how much you are forgiven and set free for all those things you wish you'd never done and all those motives you're still wrestling with. Know how much they are seen and accepted and forgiven and then you will love and you'll be so grateful with every person you're with. So, Simon and the woman meet Jesus. It's a beautiful story and it characterises so many of our responses. You know, sometimes we're a bit more like Simon, sometimes we're a bit more like the woman and probably often we're somewhere in the middle. But the dynamics, they're, they're beautiful and revealing. And Jesus waits for us to see how much he loves us, how willing he is for us to be honest with him and find that deepest intimacy. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, your grace toward all of us is equally overwhelming. We have to resist it if we don't want to know it. And some of us are well practised at that resistance. By your grace, continue to dismantle our resistance that we might allow ourselves to be loved and to love in response to the glory of your name. Amen.